0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is made by rural leaders and for rural leaders. If you are serving God in any way, in a small town, in some out-of-the-way place, we are happy to meet you with some awesome topics that are going to equip and empower you to do God's work right where you're at. We believe that there is so much value in the rural church and so much value in what God has you doing. And so if you are a deacon or a volunteer or a pastor or a lay leader in any form, this is the podcast for you. And we are so glad you joined us today. I am your host, Joe Epley. Today, we're in the middle of a discussion on outreach and the conversations surrounding what does it look like to um, have a small town church reach out to the community around them and form those connections that ultimately bring people into the kingdom of God. And obviously, um, each you know town or each demographic has its own strategies, but there's a lot of commonalities to small town church and what it looks like to connect in a context that really does value that connection. Uh, Today, to that end, you know, we get to interview someone um, pretty cool. I met him recently, and uh, he's done a lot of work in the Royal Church. His name's Kent Anderson, and I'm going to let him uh, definitely introduce himself. But for now, I just want to say, hey, Kent, how are you? Doing great, Joe. Great to be on the podcast. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, we're going to dive right into the questions today, and I'm going to let Kent tell a little bit of his story right off the bat to help familiarize uh, ourselves with him and the fact that, uh, again, we like to bring rural voices in, and Kent has definitely done a lot of work with the Rural Church. So, Kent, first of all, I just want to ask, can you describe your connection to the Rural Church, some of your background and experience, and the second part of this is so important to me, why the Rural Church holds so much value to you, and so why don't you enlighten us on that? Sure. I I grew
0: up probably about as rural as you could. I grew up in a town of 500 in northeast Nebraska, Butte, Nebraska. I graduated from a high school class of 20, and oftentimes I tell a bad joke, but it's the truth. I graduated in the top 10 of my class of the 20. (laughs) I had to work hard, but I did it. And my rural ministry heritage certainly is part of why I'm involved in uh, rural ministry. My grandpa Anderson in the 1920s, somewhere in that area, was uh, saved, spiritually transformed, and he literally went from a beer joint band to a gospel band. He went from that beer joint band to preaching the gospel in the matter of just really a few months, and not only was he a musician, he pastored a beautiful gospel church for over 40 years he was an evangelist he he was also involved in church planting before there was such a thing and he planted about six churches in nebraska and south dakota and uh, my uncle vance took one of the church plants in Jameson, south dakota he pastored that church for over 40 years my dad took one of the church plants in ewing nebraska And he pastored that church for 42 years. So my background rural ministry-wise is certainly, uh, I think it's somewhat amazing when you think about that. And my dad pastored uh, Ewing, Nebraska, Full Gospel Church. And uh, the ministry there was such that for about 35 years, they ran about 30 uh, seven of them was my family, typical small rural church. But that last five or so years, they started engaging outside the four walls. People got saved and touched spiritually. Started coming to the church. The last three years of his ministry, there in a town of 390, they averaged 150 in church. And I, I've told people it's the greatest story never told in rural America. And part of it is just because. A lot of people don't know that much about rural America, and uh, sometimes rural America is somewhat overlooked. So I think all of that certainly has lent to the fact of me being involved in rural ministry. I uh, was in pastoral ministry for 27 years, and then the last 18 years been a U.S. missionary in rural America. And uh, the value of seeing rural churches revived, because I really do believe there needs to be some type of a revival in rural churches, especially in this area of outreach and engaging in their community, Uh, because we've just seen so many rural churches have turned inward, kind of the us foreign no more type mentality, and uh, kind of hunker down, and not really involved in the fabric of the community. And that's kind of what our heart is, is what can we do to engage that rural church again in their community in outreach, evangelism, serving, whatever terminology you want to use. That's that's what our mindset is. What can we do to help that rural church uh, get out of the blocks as far as uh, running the race again in this area of outreach?
1: Awesome. What a story of longevity in uh, your own experience, you know, to have in your family, not only pastors, but pastors who made it in the rural church for a long time. I mean, you don't throw out the word 40 years casually. So obviously, uh, you know, you've you've had this amazing background in rural ministry, and you're still working in it today. Now, you mentioned the last 18 years kind of working to revitalize churches. Um, what particularly made you want to work with rural leaders and equip them? You know, what kind of inspired that? Was it maybe the growth from from your dad's church? Or was, you know, what did that look like for you? Well, probably in the back of
0: my mind, helping rural churches, I think it was there, but it really took a missions team trip that I took with the church I pastored in Illinois to Appalachia that I think kind of reaffirmed this real passion or calling to rural America. We went to a real needy area in Appalachia. I guess that's probably all there is, is needy areas in that part of the United States but at the end of that week it was like Judy and myself we both were like man wouldn't it be really neat to work in rural America and help these rural churches it was like eyes opened again to that need but we really didn't know anybody that was working in rural America so which was probably the case in uh, you know 18 nineteen years ago and then some four years later we met Steve Donaldson who had just founded Rural Compassion. I had lunch with him. He started telling me about what rural compassion was all about. It wasn't word for word, but it was close to that that what Judy and I had talked about some four years before and we I just said to Steve, I go, man, if you're wanting somebody to come alongside and help and work in rural America, I really feel like that's our next step. And so, you know, long story short, we've now been working in rural America for uh, 18 plus years. And, you know, I, I've said I enjoyed pastoral ministry. It wasn't a negative whatsoever, but this is about, it's like 10 million times better for what I think my fit in ministry is, is helping rural America. When The thing about rural America is uh, it's best if you've got that background to work with rural. There's something about the culture that, uh, you know, you connect really quick with uh, rural churches when you're rural yourself. So that's kind of the background of what came about. A lot more to it than that, but that'll give you an indication.
1: Oh, sure, sure, sure. And yeah, I, uh, I don't disagree. You know, rural is has been described as a way of seeing the world. You know, and so to have leaders who are on that same page trying to reach into those contexts is a huge part of why uh, Dwight Sandos and Rural Advancement even started in the first place, Um, because we believe in the value of rural and we believe that uh, nobody can reach rural better than other practitioners. And so I really want to dive into the model you use, right, because now you're at this point of trying to help churches reconnect to their community, get outside the four walls and Let's talk principles. You know what is what is this program based on? How can a rural pastor listening in today uh, reconnect to their community? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, it was probably again 18 years ago we did our first training, and I say by we, Steve Donaldson and myself, because that was the Rural Compassion team at that time. And one of the things we we noticed right away was the lack of just basics as far as helping rural churches engage in their community. we I saw it as the want to out was there, but the how to, that was the missing link. It was just needing a couple of things to get their hands around to help them restart uh, engaging in their community. So we developed over that first year, kind of the, I call it the four pillars of outreach. There's more than these four, but these were the ones that seemed to really, churches could identify with, rural pastors could. And one was assessing need and meeting needs in your community. And the, the thought behind that was, you can't meet a need if you don't know what the need is, which sounds really Weird, but some of these churches we worked with, they had thought they knew what the need was, but they had never even really looked into the community and did any research to find what the legitimate needs were. And also they didn't realize who was already meeting needs in the community. You don't double up on something. If the Baptist Church has got a a great food pantry, you don't start a food pantry, you help the Baptist Church. So that's part of what the uh, training was about. And then secondly was developing relationships with stakeholders, people of influence uh, and impact in a community. Because you befriend them, you begin a relationship with them, you're going to learn what the needs are because they know the community in a way that you do not. And uh, it's another way of that rural church getting outside the four walls. Then we talk about in the training, the way I do it anyway, I just say this is a no brainer. You become the best friend of your school system because that's the hub of the community. And it only makes sense. How can you serve your school? How bless your school? Because it virtually touches everybody in the community. And then the last thing that we talk about is just community engagement or community involvement. What can you do in the community? Uh, What niche can you find Every church should have something in the community that they're involved in. We always say most people know where, well, in fact, I know they do. They know where the pulpit area of their church is. But what's your church's pulpit outside the four walls? What are you known for? And to find that niche, can't do everything, but you can do something. And typically in these trainings, uh, we will also have a semi-load a product there. So at the end of the training, every church that's represented will take a couple pallet loads of product home with them. Not only do we wanna to try to teach good principles, but we wanna put something in the hands of these rural churches so that they can come up with some ideas you know, to bless the school or to bless the first responders, the senior center, however they wanted that product. It's for them to become then intentional and systematic in our outreach efforts. And one other thing I'll just throw in there and it is that we really stress the idea of not being a one and done church where you do a service project or an outreach and then you never follow up on it, which typically can be the case. We stress the idea you need to go in if you're gonna touch the fire department, then you need to come in with at least five touch points so that it's not one and done type deal, but you're actually building a relationship there. And so that's, that's really important because I think that's one area. It's not just rural churches, but I think it's one area that rural churches have a tendency to do something, but they really don't follow up with some more touches. And then they get frustrated. You know, we did this and nobody showed up the next week. And a lot of that, it's just relationship that's so important that you build that. And that I always tell the pastor, you cannot allow your office to become your prison. There has to be engagement on his part or her part too, outside those four walls. They've got to be known in the community. And sometimes that's easier and sometimes very hard depending on the personality, but in a rural setting, you you've got to be there.
1: I really love um, just how indispensable you present that as because let's be honest, things like longevity and sustainability these are key to the rural church. You know, uh, if you're gonna befriend stakeholders, nobody more than more than rural community members uh, can kind of see through that project mentality. You know, if you're just here to do this once and then you know, dive off the map again, they're going to, they're going to feel that they're going to see that lack of authenticity, but man, what a awesome, you know, set of principles you just laid out. I'm sure if we took those one by one, I would have quite a homework list, you know, of just how to establish connections in the community. I really love that phrase. Don't make your office, your prison, because again, it can be so tempting as pastors to say, well, you know, my job is to, you know, feed the flock and, and care for people. And yes, that's, that's so true. And so valuable, But again, when it becomes the limit on what we do, it can really, uh, we miss so many good opportunities. And so I love how you laid that out there. Maybe there's a pastor who's listening who, uh, you know, feels uncertain still, or they say, hey, that all sounds great, but like, you know, why do you think it matters so much? So maybe I want you to, to answer this for me. When you work with pastors and churches as they walk through this program or journey, what's kind of the main change you see in the pastors? And what's some of the cool stories you've seen in churches when they decide to get out of the four walls? Yeah, I think one of the things we see
0: is as the training goes, because this none of these principles are rocket science. I mean, they're very basic, but oftentimes that's the things that we miss. Is the basic things. When we start doing the basic things, all of a sudden, oh, this makes sense again. But what we've seen is, as the, you can almost see, the light go on in these pastors' eyes and church leaders' eyes as we start talking about some of these principles. And then, of course, we throw out ideas and various things along that of other churches that have done certain things. Uh, but what we've found out is that typically during that training, that pastor and we we really l- love to have the pastor and a spouse and some some leaders at the training too. But the light comes on and I'll, I'll hear it at you know in between you know a break. hey, we got this idea it had nothing to do with even anything we said. but as they hear things that are done, they make it so that it applies to their community and it, it really does make a difference. So I, I call it kind of a renewed spiritual energy comes to the church and it only makes sense. if, if we're doing what we are called to do and that's reach people, that's gonna, there's going to be a renewed passion and love for people um, as they begin to, again, engage beyond the four walls. Uh, and then I, I kind of referred to this, but it, it really does help the pastor in church to really become part of the community. And, you know, another one-liner I use, you know, again, if, if you're not doing anything in community, everybody knows it. If you're doing something, everybody knows it. The old, if you're stinking it up, everybody knows it. And if you're doing great things, everybody knows. This small town, America, that's just the way it it works. And uh, if we can be, a church can be involved in the overall uh, fabric of the community, it does make such a difference. And uh, we've just seen just a change, I guess, in the atmosphere, of the church, because they're doing what they're called to do, you know, Mark 10:45, Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. So one of the things I say is, when we do ministry, why not do it the Jesus way? Because if we do it the Jesus way, shouldn't it work? And he served his way into the fabric of the community, and it opened up the door for him to share his way in and pray his way in. We've seen it when churches start serving their community, when they, start, when they take off the bib and put on an apron, if there's just a vast difference. All of a sudden, people are starting thinking about somebody other than themselves. And when they do that, a lot of good things can happen. Uh, so I, I think it just brings vitality
1: and really health
0: back to the church when the church really does
1: what it's supposed to be doing, and that's reaching out to people. Absolutely. I really value your insight there because again, there's so many jobs that fall under the idea of pastor and like what that looks like. And I think that we have to always kind of be on the up and up about making sure that um, community outreach falls under that, that label of pastor, because again, praying and teaching and Bible studies and things in the church, they're all absolutely vital to the care and spiritual health of a congregation. But Jesus, as you mentioned, did not disciple his, you know, followers in a vacuum. I mean, they were out and they were serving and connecting and uh, doing great things. And I am, yeah, just, I guess, really excited about, um, you know, this direction and what it could do for churches and what it has done for churches. Um, Last thing here, um, because I just really enjoyed your time today. Uh, if let's say there's a pastor tuning in who finds himself on the edge of this and feeling maybe just a little unsure, overwhelmed, I guess, what is uh, a bit of encouragement you might give one of those pastors who finds themselves on the edge of something cool like this, who's looking for that momentum boost, but might need a little encouragement. What could you offer from, from your role in your spot? Yeah, I, I think part of it is, is that, you know, you're never
0: gonna go to a sports analogy you're, you're never going to make a basket if you don't shoot. And oftentimes we have a tendency kind of a holding on to the basketball and instead of, again, can't win a game if you don't dribble it and you don't shoot it. And so part of it is you're just going to have to take a shot. And, you know, again, if maybe you're not engaged in your community like you should, you need to take some time and and think of one stakeholder that maybe you've already had some contact with, and really make a commitment to to, to uh, developing uh, that relationship. Going beyond that, maybe you haven't made any contact with the school. There, at, at some point, you've got to get out of the blocks, and so starting that process sometimes can you know be like a poke in the eye, or it feels that way. But that that whole aspect of just Making sure that you're you've got some time where you're out of the office into the community because I really believe this a rural pastor has to see themselves not only pastoring the church but the community and in some cases they're pastor in a county you know or more and so you you you've, you the church your church is important you need to make sure that you're taking care of your flock but you need to add to the flock and so. Uh, that aspect, and I, I think, again, back to this, I, I could. I don't want to pound a dead horse, but the building of relationships inside and outside the church house is so important. If you do that, I think you'll be much more fulfilled, and I might even throw out the fact that it's so easy for, and I've, I have pastor in rural areas, it, it's so easy to become an island that you've got to find somebody, whether it's another pastor in town, uh a a leader, whatever, you've got to find somebody a support system for yourself, too, which has really, I think it really still does have something to do with outreach, because if you're, you've got somebody to talk to, uh, you have people to bounce ideas off of and everything in between, so I think that's really important, too, that don't allow yourself uh, to become, come into a vacuum, where it's kind of like you against the world, and you get that mentality, probably not going to do a whole lot uh, effective outreach just because you're fighting for your life.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, from what I heard from that, because again, even the word community or county can feel overwhelming, but I love the heartbeat of what you said. You said, hey, what if there's just one person, one new relationship, one small way to invest because a lot of this stuff is kind of a snowball effect, right? I mean, you start doing one thing and suddenly you wake up and go, well, that thing worked. And then we can do another thing and another thing and and really add to it. And so um, maybe if you're listening today and you're saying, hey, I'm right on the edge of this, just find one person in your community who you can build a better relationship with uh, or reach out to one organization that you or a congregation member might feel close to and see what you can accomplish and what you can do. Uh, And then again, find one friend, right? Find one person to talk, too, who can um, help guide you through this, you know, and and consider us friends, of course, you know, as we share these resources and talk to you via podcast, but also maybe find someone you can call on the phone, you know, and, and definitely run it by them. They don't have to live in your town. They don't have to be fully physically present, but they can be present spiritually to pray for you and back you up. And so, uh, Kent, this has just been delightful today, man. Uh, one last question. If someone wants to, you know, obviously we pulled the principles out of out of this training that you do, um, and obviously someone could maybe just listen to this podcast and get a little bit of that scope, but to take churches on a journey is a little bit more of an in-depth process. So if someone wanted to connect with you and what you do, what would that look like? And I might add just real quick, the trainings that we do typically
0: are come in kind of twofold. One is just a well, I call it a church-wide training on outreach, where we come in and do a training for your church. It's about ninety minutes long, but it it we talk about the principles that we talked about earlier, and then uh, we also do uh, weekend trainings where maybe a district or a host church uh, will uh, be in charge, and there'll be fifteen to twenty pastors and churches represented with church leaders uh, there, and that's typically an all-day type training. So those are usually the two venues. We've done it a little every way, and, uh, but that's kind of where our focus is. But you could contact us a couple of different ways. Uh, one, we have a website, uh, ruralcompassion.org. That you certainly could use that to get a better idea of what we're all about. Uh, you can uh, email me at Kent at ruralcompassion.org If you have questions, I'd be more than happy to answer that. We are, our Rural Compassion has a Facebook page. Um, and it really even my personal Facebook page, Kent D Anderson, I, you, you'll have to put up with some grandkids stuff there, but uh, I do a lot of you know what we're doing and where we're going even on my personal uh, page. Uh, so those are probably the best ways to make contact. With us, and then we can walk you through a process of uh, if that's a training, is something that you'd want to do. uh, That would be something we could talk about at that point. If you just have just basic questions, too. Um, One of the things we do, we do offer some resourcing, but the way we work the resourcing is a church uh, needs to go through a training before the resourcing is available to them. We just want to make sure that church is ready. To go for it, um, and we feel like that training. I always tell people it can't hurt. It can't hurt you to go through a training. It's not a magic pill, but we've seen a lot of churches really revived uh, on their outreach side of things through the
1: training. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kent. This has been awesome and some great information. I'm sure we could, again, take them one by one and really mine some awesome principles out of there and some great ways forward for the Rural Church. And uh, if you're listening today, thank you again for tuning into Rural Advancement. Uh, Again, we're in the middle of a series on outreach in the Rural Church. And so, you know, maybe check out last week's episode, next week's episode, and we're going to continue talking about uh, what it looks like to connect your community. We will see you next time.